We're running with the shadows of the night. So baby, take my hand, it'll be alright. Surrender all your dreams to me tonight. They'll come true in the Welcome to the Ankle Cast. That's right, I'm back again. This is Big Anklevich here, and I'm bringing you another episode of the Ankle Cast. That makes two months in a row. Now, one of my goals for this year is to have an Ankle Cast episode every single month. 2021 should have at least 12 episodes. I've kind of got a plan made up. There's going to be a story in each and every one of them. It's going to be amazing. Um, I'm sure that you're all going to just love it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what's going on. I am back again for another episode. Uh, today I have a couple of stories. One of them isn't really a story because I think it's only 300 words long. It's, as I called it to Rish, it's a glorified drabble. It's a triple-sized drabble, or a travel, as we like to say in the biz. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's a story that I wrote called Date Night, and I don't think that it has appeared uh, on the Doonstief anywhere. I didn't mark it as though it had appeared. I usually change the color of the folder that it's in to orange if it has been used somewhere and this one wasn't so but then the weird thing was Rish seemed to know what I was talking about when I mentioned the story so maybe it has been used it may have been on like a that gets my goat or a uh, uh, 13 nights of Halloween or something like that that we've done in the past I don't know but whatever it uh it's coming you know it's a, it's 30 300 words so we'll take no time at all uh so here you go the first story of today's uh, menu is date night hope you like it date night come on baby it had started out so well that it was hard to believe it could end like this Candace was her name, and she was gorgeous. She could have been a Victoria's Secret model, except that she was way too smart for that. Instead, she used those beautiful long legs for walking around in the science lab at Stanford. Brains and looks she had, but she also had a sparkling personality to boot. He really couldn't believe his luck. It had been eons since things had gone so well for him with a woman. At dinner, they'd hit it off so well, Harry Carey would have called it a grand slam. Ah, Harry, what a great man. It had been an honor to usher him to the other side. Anyway, Candace had never stopped smiling all throughout dinner, and her smile was entrancing. 
They'd both had enough wine that their inhibitions were down, so he'd taken her to a secluded spot that he knew, spread a blanket on the grass by some large rocks, and they'd watched the full moon rise over the mountains and cast its pale glow down on the twinkling city lights. They'd kissed, gently at first, but soon it moved to passionately. Then it happened. He'd been trying to pull his shirt off when his hood slipped onto his head. With his cowl in place, his supernatural identity was revealed. Candace had seen his true face. She'd screamed, scrambled away, and was now cringing against the rocks. His true face often had this effect on people. He wished it didn't, but it was just part of the job. What the face represented. Come on, baby. Don't fear the reaper. Romeo and Juliet are together for eternity. We can be like they are. Come on, baby, don't fear the reaper. Take my hand, don't fear the reaper. Yeah, that's what that was. That that whole story is just a, a bad joke, I suppose. It's just I was listening to that song one time and I kept hearing him say, come on, baby, don't fear the reaper. And I just thought in my mind, come on, baby, don't fear the reaper. <laughs> and just taking it and changing the way you say it makes it into something else. And I thought, oh, that would be a funny little story where you just have a little little something like that. So I threw it together. Um, even back in those days, I was able to write that in one sitting. So there you go. But yeah, that was our, uh, our hors d'oeuvres, our appetizer for today. Uh, the main course is also not really, it's a diet main course. It's not really a long story. It's, it's pretty short. Um, it's a story that I wrote last, no, not last year anymore. It's 2021, isn't it? Oh man, am I old. Uh, two years ago, uh, back when I first started into my writing every day, trying to get to 300,000 words in a year goal, um, I started out kind of slow and then I started to grow, um, but yeah, I wrote a, this story called uh, Active Shooter Training. I had recently had active trainer shooting, active shooter training at uh, my work. And there was just something about it in my head that kept saying, you know, there's, there's, there's a story in this. There's, there's something that you could do with this. And so I came up with something and um, I didn't write it. But a few months later, when I made that goal that I had to write every day and I had to get 300,000 words in a year, then uh, I wrote it. And it was the first thing that I wrote. There is a garbage truck right next to me, and it is loud. I don't know if you all can hear it, but I sure can, so I assume you can too. I'll just let him pass me by. Uh... <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, I finally did write it once I got into that uh, mode. 
Um, it was the thing that kicked me off, basically. I, I wasn't writing a thousand words a day at the time. Would have been three days tops, probably, to write the whole story if I was doing that. Um, it took me a little longer, but not hugely longer. It's a, it's a fairly basic story. And uh, I think it's a fun little story. I don't know. I'll, I'll give you guys a chance to listen to it. And you can tell me what you think. And um, I'll see you on the other side. Active Shooter Training Justin leapt from his Prius and hustled into the office. As he was stuffing his lunch bag back into his briefcase, he dipped into it on the drive for a packet of Oreos. He remembered that his son, who loved Oreos too, had his birthday coming up next week. If he didn't get him a present and get it in the mail by tomorrow or the next day, it wouldn't arrive until after the big day. He crushed the two halves of the briefcase together, probably transforming his sandwich into a pancake in the process, and snapped the clasps down. He shoved the briefcase under his arm, pulled his phone out of his pocket, and brought it to his mouth, holding the home button down until Siri started listening in. Set an alarm for 7 o'clock called Remember to Get a Present for Garrett, he said. The phone beeped and responded in the affirmative. The alarm should sound on his way home tonight, and he could go by Walmart and pick out a toy that Garrett might like. Sadly, since he hadn't seen Garrett since Christmas, he really had no idea what would make him happy. It was a shot in the dark. Hopefully, something would jump out at him on the toy aisle. He arrived at the building entrance, but his distraction with the phone left him unprepared. He needed his key card to get in, which was still in his wallet in his jacket pocket. Justin fumbled around, shifting his phone back to his left pants pocket, his briefcase to his left hand, and excavated the key card from his jacket pocket and swiped it across the reader. It took three swipes, but at last the green light flashed and the door lock clicked. On days like this... It made him miss the good old days when he could just open the door and walk in without having to pass through a metal detector, an FBI background check, and an extraterrestrial administered anal probe just to enter the building. But things had changed since he'd started working here 21 years ago, and it didn't look like it was ever going to change back. He arrived at his cubicle, dropped his shabby old briefcase on his desk, and turned on his computer. As soon as the boot-up sequence finished, a notification beeped to remind him that he hadn't yet finished the required company-wide active shooter training. It was due today. Another sign of how things had changed. He didn't want to do it. It would be one of those horrible, soulless, online interactive presentations that always takes an hour longer than it reasonably should. He had too much to do to fit this frustration into his day as well. That was why he was still on the naughty, non-compliant list. Hey Justin, here's your ship list, said a sullen voice from behind him. Justin spun in his chair to see Zack standing there, dressed head to toe in black, glaring balefully at him. Oh, thanks Zack. I guess I'm going to have to do my job after all today. Still got to find the time to fit in the training, too. Did you do that already? Zack didn't smile or frown or show any sign of human emotion. No, I haven't, he replied. Uh-oh. I guess today's the last day to do it, so you better get on it. I think they take everyone on the non-compliant list and hang them by their toenails in the main lobby as punishment, Justin said, laughing heartily at his own joke. 
I believe it, Zack said in an unnerving monotone. But I don't care. I'm not going to do it. He turned, rather robotically, and walked down the aisle of cubicles to deliver the ship list to Miley. All right, Justin said. I hope you don't like your toenails. Justin sighed. Zack used to be a much more pleasant guy back before he went all goth or emo or whatever they were calling it these days. Before he started wearing all black and dyeing his hair black, too. Was it because he started listening to heavy metal? Did he start doing drugs, meth, or heroin or something? Did he go through some sort of nasty divorce and lose his purpose for living? Justin had dealt with exactly that, and he hadn't turned into a monotone goth robot because of it. It was a shame, though. Zack had seemed like a pretty cool guy that Justin might even have been able to have a good time with going out to get some drinks after work and watch the Texans or the Rockets. Justin had needed a friend after the divorce, but Zack turned out not to be that. Instead, he turned weird. The only things he wanted to talk about were horror movies, witches, urban legends like Slenderman, and other occult stuff. It was creepy. Justin just wasn't into it, and he had to go elsewhere for friends. Sadly, elsewhere turned out to be nowhere. Justin still spent nights at home watching the Texans or the Rockets alone. He just didn't have a knack for making friends anymore now that he was older. He sighed and took a look at his ship list. He'd better get to work if he was going to fit in the training session today without staying late. The active shooter training turned out to be a little bit interesting in the end. It wasn't nearly as onerous as the conflicts of interest training he'd had to do last month, or the ethics training from three months ago. Those had been so tedious that he would have gladly paid someone else to take the training in his place. The stuff they taught in the active shooter training was actually compelling. They talked about how important it was to have situational awareness wherever you go, knowing where the exits are and paying attention enough to recognize gunshots or screaming. No headphones or other distractions. The part that Justin liked most was what they called the active shooter triage. Three things that you should do in your survival strategy. Run, hide, and if there is no other option, fight. First thing to save your ass was to get the hell out of there if you could. Know where the exits are. Not just the one you usually come in, but the back door and side doors too. Don't stop to gather up your purse. Help others to escape if you can, but don't put yourself in danger if they refuse your help. And warn anyone you can on your way out. If you can't get out, hide somewhere that the shooter won't find you. Close doors and curtains or blinds to windows. Lock the door, because most likely the shooter will pass you by in search of the quickest and highest body count. Spread out as much as you can. Don't give the shooter a bunch of fish in a barrel. Then, if none of that works and you have no other option, fight. Don't hesitate and give the shooter time to react. Charge him. He won't expect that at all. Those assholes think that everyone will cower in the face of a gun and will likely not react fast enough to being attacked. Grab some kind of a weapon, doesn't matter what, a stapler would be better than an empty hand. 
Get a group together if you can and come at the shooter from different angles and be prepared to deliver debilitating and even deadly force. This is life or death here. Something about the training actually made Justin feel comfort. There have been so many shootings splashed all over the news with breathless, gratuitous detail. And Justin found that the coverage mostly served to make people... Okay, to make himself feel helpless and vulnerable. He had often thought about what he would do if he found himself in a similar situation. Would he be like the deputy in Parkland, who stayed outside the school in a position of safety while the shooter massacred students unchecked? Or would he have the courage of Thomas Burnett Jr. and Todd Beamer and the other passengers on Flight 93 that fought the 9-11 hijackers and prevented their plane from killing any more innocent people? He hoped for the latter, but up until going through this training, he never felt like he had the necessary gumption to perform in that kind of situation. Instead, he imagined himself dissolving into tears and begging for his life if ever faced with a dangerous situation. Maybe not. Maybe this is what he needed to beat the odds. Justin made it to the final section of the training, where they lobbed several softball questions at him about what he learned from the program. He answered them easily, hit enter, and the screen changed to his certificate of completion. More importantly, it also delivered the message that his fulfillment of the task had been communicated to Jose in HR. He was officially off the hook, and on cue, here was Zach with his afternoon ship list. I just finished the training, Zach. It wasn't that bad. In fact, it was actually kind of cool, Justin said. Did you do it? Or are you still protesting? I don't fucking care about any goddamn training, he replied. Wow. Okay. Well, don't hold back, man. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel, Justin said with a chuckle. Zach smiled along. Justin was surprised. He hadn't seen a smile out of Zach for months. Maybe a full year. Not since he went emo. You know, Justin, I've always liked you, Zach said. Oh, thanks, Justin replied, surprised at this reaction. You ought to take off and go home, man. Fuck your afternoon list. You deserve a break, Zach said. Justin chuckled at the thought. I wish, he said. Doesn't matter that I've been here for years. They'd can my butt in seconds flat. Well, sorry then, Justin, but I've always liked you. Zack walked away, and Justin watched his back, shaking his head as he went. That was weird. He just couldn't get a read on Zack anymore. He put it out of his mind. He grabbed his ship list and the phone and got back to work. It was a slog, and he rushed through it as fast as he could. He had just crossed the second-to-last name off his list and was picking up his phone to call the last name when he heard a strange sound from the direction of the lobby. It sounded like a hiss of steam combined with the screech of a bird and a diamondback's rattle. But not an actual snake's warning signal, more like the one that you hear on heavy metal band songs. Justin thought they probably used some kind of a man-made rattle for that. He had absolutely no idea what could possibly have made that sound. But it had been really loud. He hung the phone back up without dialing, 
dropping his shiplist on the desk, and stood up to peer over the rim of his cubicle. Out near the lobby, there was a large cloud of hazy smoke boiling into the office. Had some sort of fire started out there? He suddenly realized that he hadn't taken that active shooter training to heart after all. The company had moved to a new building two years ago, and he had no idea if there was any exit from the building in the opposite direction from the lobby. If he had to run from a fire, he didn't know how to get out. As he stood there, prairie-dogging it from his cubicle, unsure of what he ought to do next, his phone's alarm began pumping out cheerful marimba tones. At the same time, Zack dashed into the main office from the lobby, cackling madly and wearing something completely different than he'd had on when he dropped off Justin's afternoon ship list. It looked like a wizard's robe. It was long and flowing with wide sleeves and a deep hood. The hood slipped off Zack's head as he dashed in, and that was the only way that Justin even recognized that it was him. The robe was a deep crimson color, and symbols adorned all of the hems of the outfit. If only Zack had a long beard, Justin would have called him Gandalf the Red. Except Gandalf hadn't been red, had he? Justin couldn't remember. He hadn't seen the Lord of the Rings since the theater. Zack also looked a lot like a druid or something like that. He would have fit in dancing around Stonehenge in the moonlight. He did not fit in at the office, however. The jaunty marimba flowing from his phone was drowned out by a very loud bang from the lobby. Justin flinched, reflexively ducking, then ducking again when another bang rang through the building. Holy shit! It was actually happening! This was a shooter! A shooter at his workplace! The thing he'd been led to fear all these years had actually arrived, and on the very day he was trained to deal with it. Justin quickly ran through what he was supposed to do to protect himself and survive the ordeal. Run, hide, and if unavoidable, fight. Should he run? That tactic would not be helpful since the only exits he'd ever used here in the building were the lobby doors. He'd have to run right past the shooter to get out. But he hadn't seen the shooter yet, which meant that the shooter had also not seen him. He could easily get down behind the walls of his cubicle, slip under his desk, pull the chair in, and transform the place into an empty and uninteresting target for any killer. One that he would walk right past in search of victims to claim. He settled on that decision and turned to pull his chair out of the knee hole of his desk, removing the phone from his pocket to shut off the incessantly blatting marimba alarm when the shooter made his appearance in the archway leading from the lobby. It wasn't a shooter at all. It was some kind of nightmare. It didn't quite fit under the archway, which was a good 20 feet tall. It bent down and squeezed its way through. It was a massive red demon, Justin guessed. It had to be a demon. Demons weren't real, but he was looking at one right now anyway. After stuffing its body through the arch, it stood up to its full height, towering over all the employees in the trendy, high-ceilinged room. When it rose to its full height, it roared and further intimidated every witness by unfurling its massive bat-like wings. 
From its forehead, huge black striated horns rose up to scratch against the ceiling. Its red, heavily muscled body was also partially covered in thick black shaggy hair. Its arms ended in sharp-looking claws, but its legs ended in hooves. Steam, or maybe it was smoke, rose from its skin like the heat of its frame was igniting the very humidity in the air. Zack ran over to the demon's feet and shouted up to it, Come, my dark lord, feast upon these benighted creatures. They are sheep for your slaughter. Shit, Justin thought. That's why Zack had changed so much. He hadn't just gotten into heavy metal or anime or something like that. He had gone full-on occultist. He was into dark magic and obviously summoning demons. Justin wished he had taken his advice and beat it early instead of staying to finish his workload. It wasn't just an idle suggestion, it turned out. He had been warning Justin that he was planning something and that he should be gone when it all came down. The demon's hideous gaze passed over the room filled with quivering people that were surely shitting themselves just like Justin was. Then its eyes settled on him and its mouth split open in a hideous grin to reveal two rows of savage-looking slavering fangs. Justin realized that his phone was still playing its marimba alarm, and the sound had drawn the attention of the creature. He looked down at the phone. Remember to get a present for Garrett, it said on the screen. Justin turned off the alarm. He hoped Garrett could still have a happy birthday without a present from his dad, because Justin was pretty sure he wasn't going to make it to the store today. Or ever again. So there you go. Uh, that's active shooter training. Uh, when I thought of the idea during my uh, training that I had, I just thought, you know, it needs some kind of a twist. It needs just a little something, something to take the idea of active shooter training and make it something that I would write, I guess. And so I came up with the idea of, yeah, this guy, you know, they always talk about uh, people that come in and shoot up the place. They're always like some emo kid that's, you know, all upset and, and feels lonely and left out or whatever. And so, you know, you keep an eye on that guy because he's probably going to shoot up your school. Uh, and yeah, that's what this guy was. Uh, and, you know, he had that kind of sign, but it turns out that he had that kind of a, a sign for, for different reasons, you know. And I don't know, I, I think it's fun. It's not particularly deep or anything like that. It's just a popcorn story, I guess, if such a thing exists. It's not a popcorn movie, it's a popcorn story. Just a quickie that... Uh, has some fun to it. A little twist there for you at the end. But I guess it's another one of those depressing Big Anklevich stories. Did that one seem depressing? Because obviously our main character is not making it out at the end. We don't see him get killed, but he basically is. Um, but when it's that short, is that is that a depressing thing? 
or is that not a big deal? I know that Stephen King once talked about that. He was talking about the writing of Misery, and originally it was supposed to just be a short story, and at the end of the story, uh, you know, the lady was going to make a special edition of the book, and it was going to be, you know, covered in leather made from the author's skin, or it's just something just totally hideous, you know. Uh, but as he wrote it, his character kept being more and more uh, able to get out of the troubles that he was in. And so pretty soon he liked his character too much to kill him off like that. And he's like, ah, great. I like the character. And it's gotten long. People are going to be mad if I go for, you know, 100,000 words. And then, oh... And now he's dead. The end. He loses. He went through all that. And he's done. Uh, be like Fred Savage. Jesus, Grandpa! Why did you read me this story? Who kills Prince Humperdinck? Uh, anyways. I don't know. I Sometimes I have a tendency to do these stories that are, are sad. Although I have to admit that I'm growing out of it. Uh, I, I, it doesn't appeal to me as much as it used to. I used to really like the, um, that kind of grim thing at the end. But these days, eh, not so much. I'm happy to have a happy ending. I don't know, I, I just like, I want my story to be as good as it can be. These days, I almost test myself to not do a sad ending, to find a way around the sad ending. I have a whole uh, third book of uh, Sunny and Gray that I have to write because I didn't want to end on my original sad ending that I came up with. So uh, there needs to be a third book in the trilogy now. And... That's going to be interesting, because I have no idea where I'm going with it. (laughs) I might as well be J.J. Abrams and uh, Ryan Johnson with this trilogy. I mean, I know things are going to turn out okay, but that's about the uh, extent of it. I am now riding into the dark with that story. Although, I'm not riding on it, so... I need to get back to that, you know? I haven't written since when was it Uh, like late August like before September even arrived I had finished my 300,000 words and all of a sudden I I didn't care anymore I wanted to take a break I guess or something and I took a break and unfortunately it's been what one two three four months almost and I haven't written a damn word that's not good. That's not what we're trying to do here, folks. Uh, The idea was to get in a habit and to prove to myself that I can do it and to get doing it. And so I need to get back to it. Now I have, I have goals for this year that I'm really not particularly working towards, but I need to get going on them. Um, My goals are as much about publishing as they are about writing 
I do want to try and see if I can improve the use of my time. Uh, I got a program, an app, as they call them these days, that <laughs> will uh, transcribe everything that I say. So I can sit here in the car, turn on this app on my phone, and while I drive to work, which I do for 45 minutes to work and 45 minutes home from work every day, that's an hour and a half. If I can figure out, you know, get used to writing by way of dictating instead of typing, then I can get so much work done. Not only that, but I also walk in the morning doing my 75 hard for 45 minutes then. So that's two hours, two and a half hours a day. No, two hours and 15 minutes. Sorry, my math got a little off two hours and 15 minutes a day that I could be working on something. Uh, the first time that I tried out that program, I just put it on and just blabbed. I had nothing to say. I was just like, blah, blah, this, that. And then I got to work and I could just, with the program, I could send it straight to my Google Drive. So I pulled it up on my Google Drive and I looked at it and it was almost a thousand words. And I'd only had it on for a half, half the drive. And then I had uh, turned it off and finished the drive uh, without it. And almost a thousand words in that time. So just imagine like how much work I could get done if I can adjust to that kind of a workflow, that kind of a, uh, a routine. It could, I could do so much that way. Um, and that, I think, is going to be one of my main goals this year. At the very least, I want to use that for um, planning stories, you know, outlining them. That's a good way to force myself to think of it. You know, once I get going, I have a tendency to, my mind will drift off the subject if... It, there's not something recording it, you know? I feel obligated to keep talking if there's a recording. So I will keep going. But if not, then I'll stop talking and I'll think about it in my head for a little bit. And then I'll be thinking about something else. And then I'll sing it along to, We're running with the shadows of the night. You know, and, and it's, it's over. And so I got to have something recording. And I think... A recording has been the way I've done it in the past, but now with this thing, it records... It actually records your your voice, too, but it records by transcribing everything that you say as well. I think the voice recording, it saves in case you want to go back and listen and see what it was you just said, just in case the transcription is totally off. And you're like, I don't know what the hell I was trying to say there you can go back and listen to it and be like, oh, that's what it was. Um, maybe. I don't know. I, I wonder how much editing something that I dictate will require. Will there be so much work editing that it's not worth the dictation? I don't know. I guess that's something that I have to learn to improve. Learn to, you know, say... He went down the street, period. And then he turned left, comma, and went to the bank, period. You know, that kind of stuff is 
not natural. <laughs> but you can get used to it. It could happen. Um, and that's kind of what my plan is here. Uh, I just had an interesting thought today that I think I want to try and implement in February. Um, I, I noticed that it's really easy to waste your time on crap that doesn't matter. Um, there's Facebook, and there's Twitter, and there's Instagram, and there's YouTube, and there's, I don't know, uh, there's TV and movies and Wikipedia, I don't know, there's so many things out there that can rob your attention away from what you should be spending your time on. And I was thinking that it might be interesting to try this just for a month. I was thinking of going, doing a silent month where basically I don't get to listen to anything. I don't, I can't uh, watch, uh, I wonder if I could do that in February. Could I give myself a little bit of leeway so that I could watch the episodes of WandaVision, for example? They're not long, they're only a half hour, come on, once a week? I don't know. <laughs> maybe I should do that, or maybe I should just, no, I'm, I'm just going to wait until after and nobody talked to me about WandaVision until after. I'll watch it then. But yeah, I was thinking that might be an interesting thing just to see what I could get done if I forced myself to have no Facebook, no YouTube, no anything else. Just my own head. Uh, I find that I am always listening to something. I get in the shower and I put my phone on music or or some kind of a podcast, or I drive in the car and I'm listening to a podcast or music, or it's always something. And I'm looking at Facebook and I'll sit there and just scroll down and scroll down and scroll down forever. Half the time, not even stopping long enough to see any of the posts. Um, I suppose I could do the silent week or sorry, the silent month. Uh, I mean, I, w I wouldn't completely get rid of Facebook and stuff like that. I would still post things. Like if I made a, a podcast and put it out there, then I would do a post saying, hey, everybody, there's a podcast. You can check it out if you want, uh, which I do. And maybe I could even interact with the comments but, yeah, I'm, I'm going to work on this, figure it out, and I think I'm going to do it in February. So, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I've got several other goals. Uh, maybe I'll talk more about them next time. I've already gone pretty long. Uh, maybe in my next episode I will really have them hammered out and, and figured out. But, you know, I have goals for publishing. I want to publish... Uh, as much things as I can as possible. 
for one, my Christmas story collection I plan on getting out this year for people to buy, and I want to put it out in a paper format, in uh, ebook format, and in an audio format. Um, I am planning on doing another collection of short stories as well that I'm going to put out in a similar format. And I think each one of those stories I will publish by themselves as well, so you can buy just them. And maybe I'll do some other random collections. I know that Dean Wesley Smith says that you should put out stories uh, for people to buy in as many ways as possible. So if you have a story, uh, put it out by itself and put it out in a three-story collection and put it out in a five-story collection and put it into a eight-story collection. You know, give people all the options they want to buy. And it's um, probably wise. Uh, I don't know if that would make people more frustrated or not. If they'd be like, oh, I have one of these. I've read one of these stories, but two of them are new. Oh, shoot. Uh... I don't know, maybe uh, it's best to give smaller collections for people who just want to try you out. And then la larger collections for those who are like the completists that want to get everything. Um, we'll have to see how that goes, but I plan on doing that and then trying to get my novels out. Um, I really want to get those going. I've got the gauntlet and I've got two parts of Sunny and Gray already done. Uh, the plan is to read uh, each one of them out loud and edit them so that I have audio collections or audio versions of them that I can put onto Audible. And then there will also be ebook versions and paper versions. So if you want to have it on your shelf, you can get it. If you don't care and you just want it on your phone, you can get it. Or if you love to hear my voice. Which, who doesn't, really? I mean, come on. You can do that, too. So, um, yeah. That's where we're going with it. Um, I have some other uh, goals that maybe I'll talk about on, on another show. Um, but we'll see how we can go with it. I'm trying to figure out a routine. So that I work on this goal at this time, this one at this time, this one at this time. And I actually get things done. Um... Right now, unfortunately, I'm doing that 75 hard, and it basically uses up all of my free time. Uh, I could get more efficient at it, and then it wouldn't be so bad. And I think that's what I really need to work toward. But for the time being, it uses up all of my free time. Uh, what is today? I don't know if I can see, because I'm recording. But yeah, I think I'm on day 18. Yeah, today's day 18 of 75 hard. So it's still like two full months to go, basically. And I'm going to be in good shape and I'm going to feel real good when it's all over. But how far behind will I be on my other goals? We'll have to see. Uh, yeah, I'll talk more about that next time. Uh, I'm sorry for boring your guys' ears off with all this. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't too bad, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, we'll talk more on it next time. And uh, I'd like to thank you all for coming, hanging out with me, and listening to the Ankle Cast.
See you next time. Congratulations. Today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. Your goal should be a dream with a deadline. That's why I gave you five years. Do it! Do it! You miss 100% of the shots you never take. Take the shot. There will always be things in the way you dream. Don't let your dreams be dreams. You go out and you find why not. You surround yourself with why not. Live a why not life, man. There are a million no's, but all you need is one yes. Where we are today is where we are. Today's the starting day. I know what we're gonna do today. Just do it! Do it! And will you succeed? Yes, you will indeed. 98 and three quarters percent guaranteed. That's all it takes to be successful is an attitude. It's an awesome feeling when you truly believe that you're going to be successful. Nothing is impossible! Dreams don't come true. Dreams are made true. Your mountain is waiting, so get on your way. Bye-bye, boys! Have fun storming the castle! Think it'll work? It would take a miracle. Bye-bye! Take two. Hopefully something would jump out at him on the toy aisle. And claw his eyes out! He needed his keycard to get in, which was still in his wagon. Walk it in his pocket.